Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the All Four Wheels episode with Charlie and myself, Joel. And today we're going to be, well, you're going to be asking me some questions, I think. Um, I have seen it done before, but I thought it'd be a good idea to do an episode sort of, well, uh, yeah, asking me questions about what I do because it does come up a lot, doesn't it? People always want to know things about being a YouTuber or someone that's on social media. And I know that you ask me questions a lot and we talk about the ins and outs of my business so to speak quite frequently so yeah i thought it'd be interesting yeah. to 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 do it so you've you've brought me some questions have you yeah i've got some questions that actually you know because i do know there are things that i know obviously from hanging out with you and stuff that i know how it works but also i've kind of tried to think yes i might know certain things but some people might not know that and there's also things that maybe i don't know so um yeah i've tried to make them as interesting as possible for anyone that might be thinking about doing something youtube related that they can factor into when they're trying to start up or something that you might be able to shed some light on maybe not tell all the secrets otherwise you'll uh you'll have some competition <laughs> yeah well i think it, it's an interesting one because so many people want to do it yeah. these days don't they i think i think they teachers famously say now that when they ask their students uh, or their their children in class what they want to be when they grow up it's always youtuber whereas when i went to school for me it was i want to be a pilot but you know other kids would say astronaut or deep sea diver well that's a bit oh, no, probably not at the moment do you, actually deep sea diving do kids do kids seriously say they want to be a youtuber these days do i think you, so yeah because of like ksi and i think so i think if you think about men. i mean i i don't um obviously have children but from the best of my knowledge i think you know lot, lots of kids that's what they go home and do if they're not playing xbox with their mates they'll be watching youtube won't they i mean yeah. Who goes home nowadays and watches a program? Yeah, true. You know, we have series on Netflix and Disney or, or whatever, but I think that is... I mean, well, it's so easily I... accessible, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's it's free and it's you've just got this endless library of, of content. And obviously, yeah. you know, yes, there were TV shows like, let's say, Bargain Hunt, which I used to like watching, believe it or not. I still quite enjoy watching it now, actually. You know, that's on daily, but you've got some of these kids channels or youtubers that upload at least one today if not more well you don't have to wait for the episode do you You can watch it back to back you can watch it at your own leisurely pace it's funny Whereas when we were young you had to wait a week for yeah well Well, it's well off topic but (laughs) having said that very quickly katie and i have just started watching 24 yeah which i watched that was on yeah that was on when i was at school yeah because i remember the advert for it was yeah that beeping noise. The noise with the clock yeah I, I watched it when i was much younger yeah. but we've just started watching it again because katie's never seen it but it's crazy to think that when they first came out unless you sort of bought the box set afterwards you would have to wait a week or whatever yeah. the interval was between episodes i would i would i mean these days if that happened now i'd completely lose interest <laughs> completely lose interest so anyway yeah it's a interesting interesting world so let's uh answer some questions about it so for you out there, maybe this is the bit you've been waiting for for a while, some of your followers, to uh, get to know Joel a little bit. This right. isn't too, they're not too personal questions, but they're more about the scene. So um, the first one I came up with is, uh, if there was one thing about the YouTube car scene you could change or, you know, would want to change, what would that be? It's a bit on the spot, this, but... Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, it's, it's weird with this. I don't know if I should have, pre- like, read your questions yeah. first, prepared or, or not, but I think it's better this way. So what would I change about the YouTube car scene? Yeah. Is there something in the scene that, I don't know, people don't communicate enough or um, 
if you actually collaborated with people more then both people would benefit from it kind of thing yeah i think you know what i mean to flip it a little bit i think the youtube car community or car scene as in group of people that are youtubers in this space i think it's quite a nice collaborative environment right it's sort of i think i said in a previous episode but if i ever go to an event where there's other youtube people we sort of all know who we are you're not do do you ever because i feel like some scenes on there you do remember that whole logan paul ksi you know beef i mean it was probably fake beef in the end because they're very clever people but in the car scene there never seems to be that kind of no apart from shmi and dde the other day (laughs) well that one on tiktok the uh because gun- I don't know who DDE is, so I was just like, "Oh, it's an American guy calling him out." But I've, I've, from looking into it a bit, that he's, he's a quite, big he's American. quite famous. Like he's got a massive channel. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's similar size, if not bigger, to, right. to Shmi in the US. And obviously, there was a bit of awkward, wasn't beef it? Beef around um, <laughs> Tim taking off his logo, right? Because they were a sponsor on the Gumball Rally, and, and Tim took off his logo from his car, which DDE wasn't very happy about, <laughs> and confronted Shmi One Fifty yeah. about. Um, it's not very adulty though, is it? I think you, you would do that off camera, wouldn't you? I think I think it sounds like DDE had the right to be annoyed, but, but you, why did he need to do that and film make it? Make a video out of it. <laughs> he could have privately spoken yeah. to Tim. Maybe he tried to and it didn't work, right. but he could have potentially done that yeah. differently. But but I, it does, does seem to be a generally friendly scene, doesn't it? You, yeah. So you, back, all, you all want each other to do well. Yeah, I think back to your question, I mean, there's a little bit of cliqueiness. Like there's a few YouTubers that probably wouldn't talk to me. Um but generally, you know, everyone's really respectful of each other because we all know what we're doing. We sort of all, we all realise what goes into it. I think the average punter that watches the videos doesn't always realise what work actually is involved. Well, this kind of leads me on to the other questions. So, And there's a bit of mutual respect, I think, amongst YouTubers um, because we understand what goes into it. But in terms of there's one thing I, I would I would change... I don't know. Actually, it's a it's a really it's I've a really started good out question. With the toughest question. It's a good question. I'll, I'll come back to you yeah. if, if I think if, you, of... if it comes to you. Just stop, stop where we are and come back. But this one's also this one will probably be a bit more easy to ask because you've now got. When did you? I mean, you first started out. Must have been when you were seventeen, eighteen. No, this I isn't think, the question. But I think I, I yeah, I think I started. Yeah, my, so I started doing my YouTube properly back in twenty twenty. So only three years ago. But I've had the channel. But you've been you've been trying to grow your channel for a lot longer, haven't you? Yeah, six yes. or seven years. Probably. So my question is, if someone's just starting out now, not even in the car scene, just wanting to grow a channel, um, what kind of advice would you give from things that you might have learned that actually it took you a few years to realise that actually this could be a waste of time or this needs you need to focus on one thing in terms of like the most important thing is the quality of the video or the do you see what I mean? I think my num. I, this does get asked a lot, and I want to preface this by saying I don't regard myself to be a successful yes, YouTuber course, who knows course. it all. But yeah. one thing I certainly don't like watching. But to phrase it differently, I think the one thing you should really focus on is being authentic and going into YouTube because it's something that you enjoy want to do and something that you enjoy something you're passionate about you're passionate about creating the content or at least what you're going to be talking about is something that you are passionate about don't just go into a a style of youtube or a scene on the youtube scene to think about the end goal of making this because eventually it will 
become a chore, whereas you never feel like it's a chore, really. Well, I there think are. The, the, the point is, what I, what I was going to say is that um, don't don't go into making YouTube videos to, to make money. Yeah. That should never be the end goal. The reason I started making YouTube videos was I had a passion for making video. I really enjoyed making video. I had I had a drone and I was doing lots of drone content, sort of, and that was quite early on, back in the Casey Neistat days. And I had a real passion for making video. Then I wound up doing a bit of stuff in the car scene with Seen Through Glass. I sort of did a bit of work for him for around six months or so and then started my own channel. But the reason being is because I stumbled across the fact that you could, as a young driver, get yourself into some pretty handy sports cars for not that much money. So we all knew that you could buy a BMW Z4 or a Porsche Boxster for around five grand. But what young drivers didn't realise is that you could actually insure them for cheaper than something like a Ford Fiesta. Now, obviously, there's a million variables that go into that based on where you live and whatever. But in my case, when I was looking at BMW Z4s to buy, before YouTube, I was just looking at, you know, I wanted a fun sports car for three or four thousand pounds because that's all I had. Uh, I was looking at two litre Z4s uh, because I thought I just assumed that's the only thing that I'd be able to insure. And then I found a three litre that I really liked and for a joke sort of did an insurance quote on it. And it was like half the price of the two litre. <laughs> so it took me down this long rabbit hole of realising that actually insurance is calculated in a way that doesn't necessarily correlate with the power or the no. engine size of the car. And so that's why I started the YouTube channel because I bought the Z4 and I wanted to sort of tell everyone, look at this look, look at this amazing thing that well, you can this do. Is you, know, you don't need to buy a Vauxhall Corsa or you don't need to buy a Renault Clio or whatever sort of the popular hot hatch cars are that people buy, Fiesta ST you can actually get yourself into something a bit more sporty, a two-seater maybe with a bigger engine, and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to, to insure. And, and and what's more is that, you know, things like a Fiesta ST, because so many young people go out and buy them for whatever reason, they end up being really costly to insure. So that's because why... Because so many claims go through on them. Exactly, because there's this... so many people driving them. But that's that's why I started my channel, and I think the reason I've carried on is because I still sort of have that sense of wanting to share interesting cars with people that i don't feel get featured enough and that is my ultimate goal yeah because it. people that don't people that i know that don't know you that might ask what you do which i've had you know recently and stuff even at work and things and they say what's your channel about and i always say just from this is from my point of view you haven't even said this is your you know this isn't your strap strap line for your channel i always say he, he buys cars that maybe people have always thought about buying for, you know, the five, six grand, if not under, that they, you know, their wife might not let them buy. Or it's not, <laughs> not practical, but actually you can, like you've always just said, you can get very good cars for, you know, not so much money that people just wouldn't, because in this day and age, we just fall into a trap of following each other, don't we? It's like, oh, he's bought a Tesla, so everyone buys a Tesla, you know, but you've proven over the years that actually with that seven series i mean i would i would never even i didn't even know how to v12 i wouldn't even have thought of about that car i'm sure a seven series these days i mean it's an amazing car but it's probably not got that wow factor when you're driving it like that thing did yeah it's probably electric now and (laughs) yeah no exactly mate so that's that's certainly why i did it but i mean to, to answer your question and to give some advice if there is any um yeah obviously i could talk about that for hours which implies that i'm quite passionate about that subject so you know, if there's something you're passionate about and you want to share it with people, that's a great place to start. I think when you're initially starting a YouTube channel, do not try and take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, don't overshare things. Just sort of find your way slowly, build up a small audience. And then once you get a 
small audience that start communicating with you it makes it a bit easier to be guided on the sort of path of where you're going to go with your channel but it'll always evolve but i think it's nice to find a balance between making content that you want to make and also making content that your audience wants to yes. see but you can get like you just said you can even with this podcast we're just getting a gauge of what people like and what works and what doesn't work i think that's a good good place to start isn't it yeah absolutely but i think what some people fall into the trap of they start a youtube channel they might say look at my youtube they might they might look at my youtube channel and say i want to have a channel like joel's channel where he buys these sorts of cars and i do this and this and this but the problem is you're you're starting a channel with zero audience so if you just start and make exactly the same videos that i'm making there's nothing to differentiate you from me so why on earth are people going to go to you instead of me for example i mean my videos can be extremely boring so i don't blame you ever but definitely start doing something that feels natural and authentic to you and as you grow an audience you can evolve that a little bit into a more strategic sort yeah. of path if that makes does that make any yeah, sense i think it does and actually then you'll get the balance right eventually of doing what people will want to watch but also making sure it stays true to you and what your channel is about so i think that's that's fair enough and you there's a good bit of advice as you know young people i'm, I'm guilty of it we're all guilty of it these days sometimes you think i'll just do whatever makes the most money but actually in the long run you might regret that because you might have pushed stretched yourself too far early on in terms of trying to please so many different audiences mm. that actually you lose the raw audience that started out with you which probably a lot of your followers probably have followed your whole journey you know you probably haven't lost many of them they probably still watch you from no, that's true i don't then. think you i don't think people no. don't people don't really go and unsubscribe because you made one video they don't like it doesn't really happen so just one other thing on that i suppose um it's easy to look at a youtuber's video that's really polished and you know they've been doing it for years so they've got a nice knack to how they edit and create their content it's easy to look at that and think that's the sort of level you need to go for. And I've seen lots of smaller channels that put in, you know, apparently a lot of effort into camera equipment, getting the you know latest, most expensive cameras, spending hours and hours on, on editing, fancy music and cool transitions in their intros. And actually, the video is rubbish because it is just that it's just like nice yeah. camera shots and they're also not particularly good at editing at this point so it actually doesn't look very good to someone who does edit videos all the time and you're far better off when you're starting a channel sticking a gopro onto the windscreen of your car driving around and talking about it for 20 minutes if it's something that you're, you're passionate about yeah i mean look at high peak autos for example his channel is essentially very rough and ready and it, that's how it started and that's how it carried on for a long time now he's evolving into some extra camera shots and and stuff and if you're listening i don't mean rough and ready in a, in a derogatory way i mean it is basically a camera matt and all of his knowledge and all of his wit talking about a car and the format has stayed the same throughout which is why his channel has been able to grow and blossom right. so much okay um this next question i've got for you actually <clears throat> i'm kind of referring to maybe like the paris challenge you went to paris with katie yeah the race um this kind of says uh Obviously, with a video like that, a lot of planning does need to go in. I know it sounds like it's, you know, oh, it's only Paris, but a lot of planning had to go in so that it, the race was fairly competitive between the two of you and the logistics were all going to work um, with a lot of risk in there because you've obviously invested time, money, 
but do you think kind of relating to that do you think people realize how much planning and stuff does go into a video obviously the editing stage is a different stage but with a video like that it, it sounds pretty easy you know katie needs to fly there and you drive there and see who wins but there's a lot of planning that has to go into it um and thought and wh- whether it's going to appeal to your audience it's a big risk is what i'm trying to say mm. um do you think do you think people do realize how much sometimes planning and risk you sometimes have to take with a video i think to be honest if if the answer to that question is no and people don't realize then i as a creator and a youtube person i've done a good job right because it means i've i've You've, created yeah. a piece of content that actually someone's just watched and enjoyed Rather and not really had thinking. to think about all of that stuff is it a lie is it not oil yeah so yeah in all honesty probably not people probably don't quite realize how much goes into it i mean if we take that paris challenge for example obviously i wanted to do a race was that the first one i did of that kind mm, i can't remember so you wanted i might have been it was the first one to be katie i think wanted to do a race typical sort of plane versus car thing like top gear used to do back in the day i wanted to do my own spin on that find different sort of route that could be used Audi were giving me a cool press car and I wanted to to do something exciting with that because that's the other pressure that obviously people don't really think about with that video is that, you know, I've got this press car from Audi, which is an incredible opportunity. I've got it for a week. You could just drive it around as your daily and not make any content, but what what benefit is that to either party? I want to do something interesting with it so that Audi will give me more cars in the future. But anyway, something like that, obviously you have to look at the logistics of it all, the look at the timings, look at potential flight options, where we're going to start from. Essentially, it is all planned to make it as close as possible. So don't go into it completely oblivious to the fact that it's going to probably be quite close. If everything goes on time and to plan then it should end up quite close. So that's just the concept of the video. Yeah. And then after that, obviously, you've got the logistics in terms of booking the flights, booking, uh, looking at travel arrangements, especially for Katie in terms of buses and how she's going to get to the airports and whatnot. Well, exactly. It, Hotels when you get to the other end. Because obviously... It needs to be sort of unplanned that she's on her own. You've got the flight, she's on her own for the rest of it, but you also need some sort of planning to it because if they're all on strike or the trains are on strike and all the buses in well, front, that would which be- could easily happen then that the, the video is then rendered a bit pointless because you won because Katie couldn't even get from the airport yeah I mean yeah. something like that to be honest yeah. that you wouldn't really be able to plan for it no, if, they, if they went on you could on do strike. some looking into it couldn't you That, but um, yeah obviously once you've got the concept and you think it might work in terms of timings and logistics and stuff then obviously you've got to you know put the fuel in the car pay for all the tickets pay for a hotel at the other end you've the thing that people forget and again if they do forget then i've done a good job is i've got to film it as well so it's it's all well and good doing one of these big drives or a race or something but i'm actually got to make sure that the cameras are capturing it all i've got to make sure they're all charged i've got to make sure i've got enough sd card i've got to get different types of shots and so actually i've got to pull over at service stations even when i'm trying to race to try and (laughs) try and get some tripod shots you know so yes there's a lot that goes into it and there is a lot of expense that as well i mean that paris challenge probably cost at least 1500 quid and it probably made three or four hundred pounds in youtube ad revenue and i don't think it was sponsored so definitely made a loss on that video and yeah it's it's two or three full days uh of my life on our lives in that case because uh, katie was involved although we did have a lovely um <laughs> 
steak in and then Paris. a nice cheese thing in, in Paris so by the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> so, you know, you, you make... You, you made make it up a, to Katie. <laughs> you make a trip out of it, for sure. Yeah. And we stayed in the hotel that she yeah. likes. And, you know, so it, it was great. But um, what was your question? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think people always realise the effort that goes into it. But I don't think that matters so much. I think if I'm if, if people aren't thinking about that, then I'm doing a good job as a creator and, and, yeah, they and providing some entertainment. People aren't sitting there losing interest thinking... Well, how's he done that, or what is he going to do with that? Exactly what you were just saying. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. This one, I think, could be my last one, but I think we've talked about it in um, in our podcast already. Actually, not today, but previous one. Um, I have a rough idea, but uh, this is more about your YouTube side of it. Is there any YouTubers? It doesn't even have to be within the car scene um, that you might not even know yet. Um, because I know you know a fair few of the YouTubers or you met them when you did some work for Sam. Is there any YouTubers you are really looking and wanting to collaborate with or thinking about um, something that might be getting close to any collaborations? Because you used to do a lot, and obviously you still do a lot now, but you've grown your channel to the point where actually you don't need so many collabs at the minute, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, the short answer to that question is no, because my ultimate goal with my YouTube channel is to be a bit like harry metcalf for those of you that know and have a shed somewhere in a field with a bunch of cars that i like in it and occasionally i'll get a press car and i'll talk about that as well and i don't have to talk to anyone yeah because that is my least favorite thing on the planet <laughs> is talking to people um why are you on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> she's sat here talking to you but i mean you know you're, yeah, you're my mate yeah. and we you know we can shoot the breeze for mm. hours on end but um i don't particularly like doing collaborations it's quite stressful uh, you've got to travel somewhere you've got to meet someone you don't really know and then also create a good piece of content out of it too that's mutually beneficial um but that doesn't really answer your question i mean there yeah there are some people that i would like to collaborate with um i know the the drive tribe guys um mike fernie over there and i have been chatting for a while about doing something with the jags um he's got a jag richard hammond has a jag and I have one as well, and also Alex Kirsten at Auto Alex Cars. So I don't know if anything's going to come of that, but that's a collaboration that I'd be really excited about, is, is doing something with those chaps. Um, but generally, I don't really seek it out. No. I mean, yeah, obviously if um, uh, Matt Armstrong sent me a message saying, hey, can we <laughs> rebuild a car together, I'd probably think I'd think yeah. that would be a good move for yeah. the channel and we'd probably do it. But generally, no, there's not really anyone that I... Uh, want to collaborate with but the other day it was very pleasing when I saw Harry Metcalf and Jeremy Clarkson did a YouTube collaboration see Jeremy Clarkson doesn't do YouTube mm. but they both still own 2007-8 uh, green TDV8 Range Rovers and uh, Harry took his to, to Clarkson and his farm and they just literally waffled <laughs> about Range Rovers for 30 minutes so Which that's, is your, a, that's your idea that's a heaven, wet dream isn't it <laughs> so that was, that was like a collaboration that I love to see yeah but uh, in you don't terms seek of, them. I don't really seek them out. But then again, if a smaller channel that was doing something really interesting asked me for a collaboration, um, I'd be really keen to to try and help them out or to get involved because um, I would find that more fun. But I'm not really into sort of, hey, um, bigger channel, can you please do a collab with me so that I can gain a few subscribers? I, I just want to do my own yes. thing. Which is good. I think that, that means you... you you haven't found a situation where your content is lacking. You always feel like you've got new content to produce because I feel like maybe sometimes it would be the easy option to 
say, hey, why don't we do a collab? Because I'm going to draw in some of your followers and etc. You feel like your content's good enough and still got so much content to produce and ideas in your head that you don't feel the need so much to do a collaboration. Not that collaboration is a bad thing, but you see what I'm saying? That Yeah, it's definitely, there's, you look at automotive channels, there, there's a lot of different styles of it. You've got people that simply rely on new press cars and manufactured cars and yeah. they will review everything and their dog um just for content and that you know that's fine and then there's uh channels like jm on cars which is completely 90 percent built on uh reviewing press cars but also mainly viewers cars so you know people message him and say would you like to drive my so-and-so and he says yes and makes a video with it and the format of his video is all the same um and then yeah there are channels that are sort of built around lots of collaborations but mine is yeah it's actually probably 75 or 80 percent just my cars yeah because i think people that don't what well i know from knowing you but you do get a lot of people contacting you saying hey joel do you want to drive this car that car but logistically sometimes it doesn't work well i normally just say no because yeah. it's not really what i want to, to do. do and and it's also but you've had some good opportunities for some Good, yeah absolutely and, and there was actually a really cool opportunity that i said yes to which was a, a viewer basically wanted to give me his 765 lt for a few yes, days or whatever what i'm referring to but i couldn't get insured on yeah. it so, so that didn't work but yeah I, I actually do all the time get messages from people and i really enjoy getting yeah. the message from you and i love talking back to you um saying do you want to come and do a video with my so-and-so but my answer is normally no because i just like i like doing my own thing in my own car and also when you go and drive someone else's pride and joy there's a a level of stress there and i also from an integral standpoint as someone that reviews cars i can never really feel like i can really drive the car in the way that i would want to to extract the most information out of it if that makes sense yeah. when you get this is why i always say yes to press cars because that's a very different story it's you know have this car and of course there's rules and you don't want to take the mick but you can basically use the car you get a whole week or two weeks or however long it is with it you can do whatever you want with it there's no mileage limit i can you know i normally drive them to some far corner of the globe when i have one and um they're very good at, at not uh minding what you say about it as long as you're fair and actually i've never ever had a manufacturer say make me sign something that <laughs> says i can't be mean about their car to be honest yeah. um but yeah when, when it's when it's viewers cars it's a little bit different yes you so, don't want to you feel like you've got a duty seeing as they've been willing to give up their car to you that yeah you and should do you should be respectful and yeah and, which I, and you would be with any car i know what, but but to, to audi that that s8 that they give you for example has already been written off anyway from the start as in they've just produced it's their own car so they've just produced it as a press car and it's it's not it was never going to be sold in a showroom for example well do you know what you do say that they do get, they do they at do, the end they but... i mean they are actually very well maintained and they literally see, service yeah. them after every loan and just speaking on that really quickly that r8 that we took ky22lxl the red r8 rear yeah. drive that we took to germany that's for sale at the moment is it yeah i think it's up for 115 grand i think i remember when we we 40 we, grand we off were, list i don't think it was happening too much when we came back but you obviously had it for a few more days after we got back from Germany and I came out with you and we would you were drive well I was insured and it wasn't I so I drove it for a little bit and there was a couple of points towards the end wasn't there it was probably like you say it goes back in for a service but the gearbox was getting all clunky do you remember mm. you'd upshift and it wouldn't upshift for about 10 seconds and then it would double upshift which was quite interesting but again I, that's because 
the truth is and it's not the the most convenient thing to say but i've had issues with new r8 press cars right that rear wheel drive was a little bit glitchy like you say and yeah. also the spider that i had first time the roof oh, leaked yeah. a load of hydraulic fluid and stopped working the the convertible roof so it is quite funny just a quick question to you then <laughs> how would you feel but you know because obviously that so the the red coupe that's for yeah. sale at the moment we, I, we I see where you're going with this we obviously um took that on the yeah. autobahn and you know, matched it out run. you know uh you know would you would you be put off buying because on the one hand these press cars are always kept to a really high standard they're always you know repaired if they get the wheels get curbed they're, they're serviced properly cleaned all the time but acutely aware of the fact that it has been people don't its... always drive them res- respectfully yeah. you know some channels are built around just drag racing and they'll just launch these cars i think it's we f- top speeded that car um would you would you buy one of those it's a fine balance isn't it so it's obviously going to be cheaper than one the same age well i don't know because there's nothing on the list about its history really no well but audi would say there's no reason there has to be it would say how many owners there's been which is one how many services it's had which is untold yeah but that's a good thing so you look at it on the one hand like you said that yes it's been serviced so much that actually they're the reason people are put off by cars that have been potentially driven by a boy racer, for example, is that the parts are going to be a bit more worn. But if it's having a constant service by an Audi, especially by Audi, a specialist who is going to literally look out for these things, they probably changed a lot of these things quite mm. often. You might have actually the history of it won't be much different, you know, won't be an issue because, um, most of the parts have been checked over so thoroughly all the time and probably replaced. Well, may, maybe, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, and they, they are actually a little less money, and they probably well, do I have to officially declare its history. Um, but I can't remember what my point was going to be. I don't think I would want to, to buy. No. I mean, if I bought, like, a BMW M3 and then I realised it was the ex-BMW press car, I'd be really upset. Because, <laughs> you know they've probably not always been driven with the utmost respect like you would drive your own car it's like a bit like a rental car isn't it when you when you go to spain and you rent a car yeah can you honestly hand on your heart say that you haven't done things in that car that you wouldn't necessarily do in your own but then you know certainly from my perspective i always drive these press cars extremely respectfully because i'm very aware that just like if it was a viewer's car it's not my property and you've seen this of course But, um, so, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. It's one, a tough it? one, isn't it? But it's yeah. like people, I know people that have bought, for example, like a TV. Do you remember if it's, you get stuff that's um, a show TV, so it's been on the shelf, but you get a discount on it. When you look at it, it's, you know. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's not actually that. It's the same TV, but I guess cars are different. Of if course, there was money off, if there was serious I th- money I think off, there yeah, would be. Sure. Maybe it's something you need to look at. I didn't see yeah. the list. I don't want to say too much because no. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't want to upset anyone. Um, but but yeah no I noticed that that red R8 that we took to Germany is for sale but you never really know how anyone's car's been driven do you because I know people in my past that have managed to clock clock cars and Ugh. well but how how are you the buyer gonna know that no I, well been... that's why people do it but it doesn't mean you should take advantage someone the other day was saying you can't do that to modern cars but I don't know I mean I, I would I would assume... think technology is surely going to advance to a point where you probably can't 
yeah but I know, I know lots of these brand new cars they're they're sort of locked so you can't yeah. even plug in a, a like a right. carly device and code it because they just have locked ecus right. so i don't i actually have no idea yeah. how clocking even <laughs> works and whether it's some you know i wouldn't even know but i would imagine it's more difficult to do yes. now than than it was yeah um but yeah i mean it's just i just i i can't stand dishonest people <laughs> you know that's a whole but you maybe are, that no, but, be you, a whole, but you are in your channel is in the industry of buying a used car, which has probably had quite a few owners. So you're always... Well, I could do a whole risks. episode, and maybe we should do a whole episode, talking about dealings I've had with people. Right, and yeah. listen, I'm probably... I'm not. I'm definitely not the best buyer of a car, because your ideal buyer, if I put a car up for sale, is someone that messages you, says, Hi, I want the car how do I pay you and you know can you get it delivered to me and you don't even have to see them that's the ideal buyer I'm I'm definitely not the ideal buyer because I will ask a million questions <laughs> at a car that's £2,000 so is, <laughs> is there rust here you know uh, how many miles have you done you know I will ask all the questions but my point is going to be that I've dealt with so many awful sellers that are completely dishonest I actually went to look at a BMW 6 series recently which I had every intention uh, of buying. It was a 650i, which is the cool 4.8 litre V8. So I was really interested in that. I went with Katie because I was definitely, you know, I was going to buy it. And the guy like had literally lied about the number of owners it had had. He lied, like just straight up lied in the in the advert about yeah. the service record. He also then claimed that because the air conditioning was, uh, air conditioning wasn't, working and I, I said that to him he said it just needs a regas and I said well look, I think it's probably the compressor so I'll offer you the money that you want less the price of a compressor I said 600 quid or something would be what it to fit it and whatever and he said no well and then sorry and then I said I'll give you the money back if yeah. it does turn out to be a regas and he said no you know, he's <laughs> obviously just lying through his teeth and he wouldn't even let me drive the thing but I've had other experiences like that which are just as bad and uh, I don't know if people would be interested to to hear. to hear it and also you know facebook marketplace is just full and and auto trader now but facebook marketplace is, is full of uh, cars for sale that are either just complete scams because they're sort of it'd be like a brand new car for ten thousand pounds and it's gets you to click on it and then it's actually just a scam or you know they are the cars that are actually being sold but then you click on the person or the seller's profile and it's just like a, a filipino oh you know whatever and you know you talk to them they are actually trying to sell the yeah. car but it's like why are you hiding your identity i don't yeah. understand well and on auto trader there's loads of the and the, the six series guy was one of these examples they set up as a a trader right so that you click on it but they're not but then they're, they're not actually a registered trader, a and it's just in his house and it's like but and his reason for that is so that he didn't have to declare himself as an owner on the car so it's all that's all of it that's it's all just, that's red signs red flags immediately but for me you've always talked to me about buying cars and i kept saying didn't i like last year i had some money and i wanted to change and mm. but for me the whole it's the same with anything in life but buying a pair of shoes from someone's quite clear cut it's i've worn them 20 times you can see the pictures let me have a look at them yeah there you go there's money mm. but with cars it's such a easily misled mark you know i could buy a car now that looks all great but because i'm not mechanically sound there is 10 things wrong in 
that's going to have to be repaired within a year that actually I've been completely messed up by and like you say I don't even really look at cars too much anymore because I don't know what I'm looking for I always come to you don't try and say what do you think of this and you will literally give me my honest opinion not not in terms of what do you think of the car of I can see immediately this is a bad thing or mm. whatever but sometimes if I'm on Facebook and I click on marketplace even by accident and obviously there's cars some people will just put their car up with no description of anything there's no mileage of it you know there's no yeah that's the other thing and i'm thinking well, what am i buying here like uh, yeah they they neglect to like put uh, yeah any the, oh my goodness this could be an actual <laughs> topic but one thing that really annoys me is that you get auto trading you get like 20 photos i was literally looking at range rovers surprise surprise this morning and there was this one that i really was like quite enjoying the look of and then not a single photo of the interior I'm just like, well, I mean, I know it sounds... But it sounds like you've got something to gonna, hide, doesn't it? I'm, I I need... Well, it's not even that. It's just think. Like, yeah. I, I need to see what the interior looks if like you on were, an old car. You're, what you're saying is think. If you were selling something, you're going to want to give it the best shot of being sold. So you're going to not even go to too much effort and get an amazing camera. I'm saying just give it as much... Show as much of it as you can. Yeah. Um, and well, if there is a scratch, you might as well be honest about it because the buyer's then going to be more, if they arrive, and they'll be more willing to negotiate that's it, because you, you haven't you lied. You do look at Facebook Marketplace yeah. and you see like someone's just posted like half the front of the car and a bit of the wheel arch and that's it. And it's like... <laughs> well, I'm not going to buy it, am I? Or, they, or I've seen um, some people, I don't know if you said this, they obviously blur out the number plate, but if you're going to buy the car, you're going to see the plate. And you, I, I, that confuses me. I know, me I don't Because you want to do a HBI check or something to start with. Yeah, and if you there is a whole issue with number plate cloning so but i just don't yeah i personally that like, would turn that would make you click off immediately I my think. number plates are all over the yeah. place you know what are you going to do look at my mt history oh no i mean that does happen you know people yeah. will literally message you the day your car expires from tax really? or mat and say really? your your mat is expired do these people have a job or well <laughs> look, the, yeah anyway but it's a whole other thing but to, i think there's just a real culture of dishonesty these days i don't know if it's just around this country or if it's a worldwide thing but there is a real culture of dishonesty and it really it actually really upsets me i think it's really frustrating and buying a car is a very stressful for me thing it's a for scary process and i'm 26 now i wouldn't even I would not feel comfortable doing it on my own. I would say, I would make you come with me. And if you said I'm busy that day, I'd say, well, I'm not going. Yeah, it is. And it's also because it's probably the second largest purchase you'll make in your life in terms yeah. of the amount of money yeah. you're exchanging less than a house. Um, but there does just seem to be this real culture of, of dishonesty, especially when people are selling cars. And I know not everyone's like it, but for me, when I sell a car, I I genuinely would feel really bad if I'd, left something off the listing that was some damage to the car or you know a warning light that was on that i didn't say in the description and someone came down to look at it with the intention of buying it and then they were disappointed i would feel uh really disappointed in myself about that so but as a car enthusiast yourself i think what what you're kind of getting at is you almost want that car to go on to someone who's going to actually really enjoy it and think well i'm really glad i purchased this um you know when Joel lists a car again, I might have a look at that or whatever. But yeah, no, but, but certainly but, that's but a whole reputation you, you, thing. But you put yourself in the, the the buyer's shoes that you're thinking. I want if I was the buyer, I'd really want this car. The excitement of going to see it and then potentially being disappointed. So you're saying that you would want to give them the best opportunity to be honest and have the. You want to just be honest with them and give them the clearest picture so they can have a better mindset of what they're getting into. Yeah, that they can drive away and think I'm really glad I purchased this not I well, really I'm yeah. upset I purchased this like I say I, I really really do dislike dishonesty and I would personally feel bad if um, 
I lied to someone and then they were disappointed with the car. You know, at the same time, it does help you out in the long run because if uh, there's a slight issue with the car and you mention it when selling it and fully disclose it, then if that issue develops into something worse, you know, the buyer can't really come back, complain about it because I'll say I was really forthcoming about that and I gave you some money off. And, you know, I just generally in life, being honest with people and being uh, transparent and not trying to swindle people is just a nicer way to live. But, you know, yeah, I do find it a lot when trying to buy cars. But I would, I've always been told, but brought up, you know, my dad, he knows loads about cars, but I would feel way more comfortable going to a dealer, but I'm paying well over the odds for the car, potentially. Well, it depends, doesn't no, but it? but do you see what I mean? There's we... some cars I certainly would never go near a dealer for. For example, an older Range Rover, I would only want to buy one of them privately. But you're running a massive risk by doing that. No, you're not. No, because the thing is with a dealer, is as I found out with that last Range Rover I bought, um, it was most likely just bought in from Copart. And they haven't really looked a, at it. And... Well, it was bought in, in a dealer yeah. trade, yeah. And the reason it was in the dealer trade in the first place because someone didn't want it or it was a part exchange. Then they essentially clean it, never park been it driven, in an yeah. industrial Never been driven by them, so park. they don't really know what's wrong. Exactly. And then, you know, they sell it at retail yeah. price. But buying a car like that that is quite a delicate and fragile thing, I would much rather buy from a private seller who's had it for seven years they can tell you that sometimes the right uh, rear wheel clunks when you go over a pothole and um, on the summer's day, the temperature needle sometimes goes, you know, so you can, they, they know much more about the car. And for something like a Range Rover, I'd be much more comfortable buying it private than from a dealer who, yeah, is probably but just... You see, but you're running the risk then of not just, I'm not saying anyone's dishonest at all, but you always get people, I mean, I've seen it with my dad, selling his motorbikes people come around and they try and pick apart you know that's wrong that's but you see what i mean there's people that are out there to try and they probably buy and sell cars but they're out there to come and try and you know convince you that actually you're lying about what you're selling give well, you money off and there's nothing wrong with someone trying to negotiate but as the seller you can always say no you well can, true yeah but. you know someone could come and uh, i could put a car up for ten thousand pounds and they could offer me four grand for it but i could just tell them what you know, it's, it's their, they're the ones that have made the journey. So it's just being reasonable on both sides, isn't it? But I don't think it's always as clear cut as buying from a dealer or buying from a private. One's better than the other. I think it depends on the type of car you're buying. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting topic. It could be a whole other topic we could discuss <laughs> actually on this podcast is sort of just buying cars. Yeah. And maybe how I sort of source the cars that I use for, for YouTube. I'd almost want to do an, an episode where we can even... Just go and have a look at. We don't have to go in and say it, speak to the person, but I'd like to go with you. From your perspective, we can go to a showroom and just have a look around. And I'd say, so what? What do you think of this? I, I've, I'll go around, maybe pick a couple of cars that actually I think, if I had this much, I'd buy that. And you can say, well, looking mm. at it, what what your mindset would be from buy? You've had experience of buying quite a few cars, more than probably most people watching this have. I'm not saying you're anywhere near the level of a dealer but what you're saying is you've had experience buying selling cars every year almost i certainly so, spend about four or yeah. five hours a day yes. looking at so cars you know, and classified yeah i think can i just tell you another little story it's, uh fairly recently um i was looking at porsche kns and i still i always am there's probably a list of 20 cars that i'm constantly checking and looking at the prices of and seeing if i could buy and seeing if there'd be a story i could run with youtube on but i was looking at kns and this one came up that was a, about half price in the sense that well it, no it was it was two and a half thousand pounds for a 2005 k 
KN 4.5S and it only had 60,000 miles on it and it was actually grey with a tan interior so it was like the spec I was after but that if it was perfect and retailed probably seven eight thousand pounds so immediately I was you know interested and the description was all good it was quite thorough and it didn't say there was anything wrong with it the MOT was quite close to expiring but it had said that it it sort of been someone in in the family and he this guy had ended up with it and he just wanted to get rid of it so I did genuinely think in my mind that okay maybe this is a case of someone who doesn't quite yeah. understand the value or they just don't really care they don't want it that actually happened with my boxer when I bought that I think I I, I bought it at quite a low price for what it was but they were just really transparent they were like look we normally sell six seven figure cars we just don't right. really care like <laughs> have it um so yeah anyway I phoned the this this number about this KN it turns out it's some D dealer uh and I said to him I think I asked him about the service history I said look I, I get it's you know good you know I like it I want to come and buy it can you just tell me if it has any paperwork with it at all or you know if you can tell me any history about the car that I can't find online or, or whatever and he's just like you know it's half price I'm like <laughs> Yes. Yes, I I know it's cheap. I just like I'm not gonna. I still want to know yes. a bit of history, and he proceeded to sort of talk to me in that tone. And I just thought, well, I'm just not gonna buy a car from you, even if it is free, because <laughs> it's clearly just gonna be a headache. Like, why are you being so shady? And yeah, he that was the first thing he said. It was like, well, it's half price. I'm like, but I, I, I want. Yeah, yeah, but how hard would it be to just say no? It hasn't <laughs> got any service history, yeah. or yes, it does. Yeah. It's just like, I get it. I get there's lots of dealers that get things in and out. And, you know, to him, it's probably two, three hundred quid profit. So he just doesn't care. He just wants someone to buy it and leave him alone. But yeah, I just don't. He could have just taken the extra 10 minutes to do that. And and I would have come and bought it. But it turns out that he, it obviously was riddled because I checked the description about uh, a couple of days later and it said noisy tap hits, smoke out. And I was like, so, you know, when I picked up the phone to him when he first put it, he could have just said, oh, yeah, no, I haven't updated the description, but, yeah. you know, it's actually got a few issues with it. So that's why it's so cheap. And I'd have gone, okay, it's probably not for me. Yeah. But not just like, you But know, maybe next time they have a Porsche coming to that dealer, you might be still interested, but... Well, well yeah, I mean, anyway, I have no idea who it was <laughs> yeah, or where yeah, they yeah. were. It's not like someone I would come and check their car's <laughs> stock for, but, yeah, <laughs> it's quite a few experiences I've had like that, which could be quite interesting to share. Well, I remember my where I bought my one series from when I was 18. It was in Kent and um, they probably had, it was called Big Motoring World. It wasn't Affordable Cars of Kent. No, but they had um, six, 700 BMWs there. They some, If you go on the website, they sometimes have a 488, but it's, do you see what I mean? It's They just buy cars en masse. And um, then I spoke, I met someone a, a few years later and I had no issues with the car. The only kind of thing that was weird was that I remember taking it in to where I normally get my car serviced and they said they've sold it to you with two run flats and two non-run flats, mm. which is actually, I don't think it's legal. They can't really sell it. Oh, it's right. illegal to sell it like that. Because, I certainly won't want to drive a car like yeah. that. Um, but obviously I was young and unaware. My dad came with me, to be fair, but I was so, at that age, fixated and anything he told me wasn't going in. I was fixated on buying that Apologies car. Apologies if you can hear barking. <laughs> that is my parents' dog, Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> exciting he's obviously he's obviously Seen late for lunch or something <laughs> but anyway but, you were saying um, yeah and then a few years later I met someone and I spoke to him about the car and he said oh yeah I used to work there and 
we knew the backstory that the owner of this dealership was a multi 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 millionaire and he just buys car and mass and he just flies basically to these auctions in his helicopter and says yeah i'll have the whole lot kind of thing and yeah. goes back anyway he was just saying that um you really need to check on these cars because he said i used to work there so i know and because they just buy on mass they don't in, like it was a bit like a range rover situation they haven't really checked out these cars it's just it probably comes in it gets delivered yeah. on a truck and no one's ever the, seen it no. it gets cleaned so the, the, all they have is the paper all they have is the paperwork the spec sheet and which i could read it on the website which i could read and say yeah it's got that it's got that but that's why i would say it's not always advisable to buy a car because some yeah. some people like um and i used to think this i think i'm like i'm only gonna if it's a certain type of car i'm only gonna buy it from a dealer because it's much safer and there's various assurances but Often with with places like this, these big car supermarkets, they will buy their cars off somewhere like Copart. They will buy a load of them in. They'll get delivered on a trailer. Someone will then clean it. They'll have a team that cleans it. Someone will then come and take some photos, um, find out what paperwork's with it, and that's it. You know, no one will touch it until it gets test-driven or bought. (laughs) So I don't think it's always the best option to buy something private because actually I feel like you will know less about the car because the person you're buying it from is not going to be in the know. Yeah. I've, but it's just, it's interesting, isn't it? That these, they just buy on mass and try and churn out as many as they can. It's not a bad thing, you know. Well, it's like my Audi TT I bought for about 800 quid all in yeah. and it's now uh, past its MOT. Okay. And so it means I could retail that car at about 2,000 pounds, which is fine, you know, because that's what the car's worth. But I will be totally transparent when I sell it about where I got it from. Well, I don't know; it's a tricky one. But you know, that sort of thing is is um, what these bigger dealers often do: is they they buy stuff at auction. Well, it has made me wonder that you watch someone like a Matt Armstrong. I know he's, he buys rights write offs, but you've always. I mean, Top Gear used to do it. They used to do challenges, didn't they, where they'd all go to the auction and Clarkson would hold out to the end, and then whatever car came in at the end, he'd buy it. But mm. I've always thought I'd love to go and to an auction just to see because yeah, let's I've say always... I had 150 grand set in the bank I reckon you could pick up something if you went to a proper specialist like Brooklyn's they do auctions there I'm sure you can get something cheaper than you would ever be let's say you're looking in the, in the market for a 458 I think you'd pick one up potentially cheaper than you would at... maybe I think it's auctions aren't necessarily always about cheaper it's more about um, stuff at that price point you get more sort of interesting specs yes. that wouldn't do so well on a, a listing but I know with old cars the I mean, at Goodwood, they do it every year, don't they? It's not Bonhams. Christmas. Yeah, it's Bonhams, but they're they're specialising in the you know cars from the eighties, seventies. These some of these are ranging into the millions. So, buying it at an auction is a risky thing, but there is a reason people go to these auctions because there must be that. Well, there's a reason Bonhams people a put their cars into these auctions because in that environment where it's um, you know my yeah so-and-so is bigger than your so-and-so yeah they might. some cars that yeah. are really one of a kind can often fetch more than if they were just advertised because it's me looking it's, at you across the room thinking no, yeah. I'll bid you in. and it's difficult as a seller of something like that to value it because yeah. it is very unique so auctions like that's often why they're there but that's why we've also got one of our friends charlie who's must know a lot about that that we could tap into yeah i, think, yeah. I find that whole thing quite interesting that yeah i've always wanted to go to a physical auction yeah and actually i'm thinking about uh, buying another car from but some of these because I quite enjoy those Bonhams ones. I'm pretty sure they're only invite only, so you're only going to get. That's what I find interesting is some of these cars that people. Let's say I came into fifty million quid next week, I might not even get a looking at. 
at these auctions. I'm sure if you had 50 million cash, <laughs> you could buy it and you could find the right contact. Yeah. I think you could probably work out a way. Um, yeah, anyway, but we should probably wrap yeah. it up for today, I suppose. Have you got any more questions no. to ask me or was that was that it? At one point in there, I pressed record by accident. So the questions, it was recording what you were saying below the question. Oh, and then it was like typing. <laughs> it was typing it. So I was like, <laughs> now we'll have a transcript of the whole <laughs> yeah. podcast as well. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Uh, hopefully I've answered your questions well. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, obviously we could have, maybe I could have asked for people's questions, but I don't have too many followers from your side of things. But well, on that, even if people want to ask questions, I'm, I'm always happy to ask them to you or yeah, things that they might want to know. I think on that, we have started an Instagram page for our yeah. podcast. It's just, I think it's all four wheels. Um, you'll be able to find it by searching that. We'll start posting clips on there from these podcasts, from from the video version. And um, on those videos, that might be a good way for you to comment yeah. some questions and to interact with us uh, sort of on Maybe a daily basis. I've, had a, I've, had, I've seen a couple of comments. Well, you sent one to me saying there's a few people asking questions about me. Yeah. Because obviously we've mentioned slightly what I do, but yeah, so I we can still tap into that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, we'll leave it i'll leave a yeah. link in the show notes and on youtube and in the description to that instagram account on this podcast and feel free to send us a direct message on there if you want to speak to either me or charlie and yeah. potentially going forward in in episodes we, we could choose section. well we yeah. could just choose like a question a week or, yeah. or question however long it is um where where we just answer it yeah either for you or me or both of us so um hopefully you've enjoyed it now if you're watching on youtube hello thanks so much for watching if you could like this video and subscribe that would be uh, amazing because once we get to a thousand subscribers we can actually monetize the youtube channel and earn a little bit of revenue from the video which would be really helpful because well we're not we're actually losing money doing we're just this doing moment. this out of uh... out the kindness of our hearts um, <laughs> no, the enjoyment of it but... absolutely and on uh, spotify or apple or wherever you're listening if you could very kindly give us a five-star rating Hopefully it's five stars. I've done it, so you can do it. Yeah, I think I've probably done one myself as well. I've made a million it's like fake do, accounts. It's like barbers always look like... I don't know why barbers, but they always do on their own, like TripAdvisor or like Google Review. And it's like, fantastic hair. My friend Sammy did this. It's like, you can clearly tell it's the they've person. Just, they've actually made accounts <laughs> to do it. But uh, if you're on any of these listening platforms, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a rating, that's um, really helpful because it means that they... Get they sort of suggest them a bit more, and we get put up in the rankings, which is really nice. We were number forty-two <laughs> in the UK automotive podcast charts. We <laughs> now I think we're one hundred and fifty. We were something. at one point we were you were showing me because I'm not. Yeah, we were forty-two. We, no, we were ahead of some manufacturers who have their own little podcast or like yeah. uh, car magazines. It's all about the hype. It's all about yeah. the ratings. So if you wouldn't mind, we'd really appreciate yeah. it. But yes, in the meantime, between episodes, if you want to get hold of of either of us. Um, obviously you can message me on my It's Joel Instagram account but you're more likely to get hold of me or Charlie if you go to the All Four Wheels Instagram uh, account and you can send us a direct message or comment on one of our reels on there so uh, yeah thanks Charlie for bringing in the questions if you guys feel like uh, Charlie missed anything and you want to ask more do comment on here or in the places I've just mentioned like I said obviously I I probably know a lot more than some of them will just from doing things with you and the way things work so yeah, I'd love people to ask a question. And I'm always showing Charlie, obviously, the suitcases and suitcases of money that I come back with after every video that I upload. <laughs> so you know that I'm just yeah. a multi-millionaire. 
from doing this. He flew here today, actually. Yeah, on my private yeah. jet. <laughs> but yeah, thank- he, did, he didn't have to sit on the M25 or anything. No, in my 400-pound <laughs> Audi TT that's pulling like a... Shaking. Mother- yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, thanks, Charlie. I appreciate it. And yeah, thank you all for watching, listening, subscribing, all the rest of it. And we'll see you in the next one whenever it will be very soon. Bye. Bye.